Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. You just never know. You just go along figuring some things don't change ever, right? Like being able to drive on a public highway without somebody trying to murder you. And then one stupid thing happens. 20, 25 minutes out of your whole life. And all the ropes that kept you hanging in there get cut loose. And it's like there you are. Right back in the jungle again. All right, boy, it was a nightmare, but it's over now. Good evening, and welcome to television. Hello. Hey. Hey. Whoa. I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. We absolutely do. Hey, mate. We've got a special guest with us today. We do, we do. Welcome back, Kendall. Yay. 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 I'm back. You can't get rid of me that easily. Oh, we tried. (laughs) Yes. yes. Yes, I'm not going away. No, so no, thank no. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> oh, always, thank you. always a pleasure and always welcome, Kendall. Yay. Well, we'll see. Depends on how you rate this film. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll wow. see if you'll we'll wow. see if you'll be back. No pressure. No pressure there. No pressure. <laughs> well. Speaking of things reviewed and watched, I suppose, what have you been watching of interest since the last time you were with us? Well, well, I have been watching a few things, but the thing I think I want to bring to everyone's attention, just to say how great it actually is, is Sonic the Hedgehog. Ooh. Yes. After the big controversy last year with the first look at uh, Sonic mm. in the trailer and how he was rendered. The internet was not pleased. Mm. Um, there was there was a lot of uproar. <laughs> um, so the film even got delayed, as most people know, uh, so they could fix it. Some people claim it's a publicity stunt, but uh, I have no comment on that. Yeah. However, the film itself, I'm so happy with it. It's so much fun. It's so good. Sonic looks fantastic. And I just cannot get over how good Jim Carrey was. Like, Jim Carrey steals the show as Dr. Robotnik. He is so funny. It's back to his <laughs> classic 90s Jim Carrey, the goofball we all fell in love with. Love it. And just every line he says is just fantastic. You think he's going to say one thing and then it goes in a completely other direction and it's even more funny than you think it is going to be. Like, he's just he's just awesome. And Ben Schwartz as the voice of Sonic was very, very good choice, very inspired choice. He's a very funny man. And James Marsden as his... His buddy, the the sheriff in mm. uh, what is the what is the name? Is it Green Valley, Green Hills? I think it's Green Hills. Yeah, uh, uh, Green Hills. Yes, Green Hills. Yeah. So that's the name of the town. It's obviously taken from the game. So yeah, it was it was awesome. It was so much fun, and not just a kids movie. People of all ages will find some joy in Sonic. I think. Nice one. I loved it. Lovely. Yeah. Hey Philip, how about yourself, mate? Well, my partner Kirsten and I have watched. Something's Got to Give. Yay. Um, with Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton. Nice. Lovely. Nice, nice. And yeah. Keanu Reeves, I think, too. And Keanu right? Reeves. Yes. yes. And a handful of other people. Yeah. <laughs> Diane Keaton's got that really funny crying montage in that movie that always has me in hysterics. Oh. And you know what's funny? I actually saw this film when I was overseas. It was just like playing on TV. Mm. And it was dubbed in another language. Uh. So hearing the crying scene dubbed in another language is equally as hilarious oh. as seeing Diane perform it. Oh. That yeah. is so much. Oh my god, that's yeah. hilarious. Did it make you chuckle, Phil? It made me chuckle. It's not really my cup of tea, mm. but um, 
definitely worth watching. It's on. It's on my. It was on my. Uh, I'm meant to watch this list, and it was worth watching. Yeah. <laughs> okay, got it out of your system. Got it out of my system. Yeah, had a good time. Yes. Nice. Well, as for myself, I've actually watched a docu series on Netflix called Cheer. Which, yeah, is about this team of cheerleaders uh, vying to win at Daytona for the annual competition. That's such a big deal. All right. It is by far one of the most riveting documentaries I have ever seen. Wow. Yeah. It is just like the angle that the filmmakers go for. So it's obviously the personal stories of the coach and some of the cheerleaders. And a lot of these kids have problems. They've got, you know, troubles at home or troubles in their upbringing as well. And they just come together as one unified team to perform at the end of the year and what their bodies go through, what yeah. their mental health goes through, putting it all on the line to perform in an epic cheerleading routine for a trophy. And I guess just for that self-esteem boost and self-respect and recognition is absolutely phenomenal. Wow. And what happens throughout the series is incredible to them physically as well as emotionally and mentally. You can't believe how much work they put into it for two minutes and 15 seconds of their lives. (laughs) Holy crap. Absolutely crazy. And what's so great about this is that we do get to know the participants and and a lot of the team members. But one thing that I found was a really interesting choice by the filmmakers is that these girls and some of the guys too fall hard on the mat sometimes. Yeah, I bet. And we actually very rarely, if ever see them make contact with the mat when it happens. The camera's always cutting away to someone else. Yeah. So you never feel like this is an exploitive documentary or it's just like, oh, we came here to see people go into a concussion. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's never like that. It really is about the people. That's so and good. And we're just looking at it through this sport. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I mean, we all have an idea of what cheerleading is because we all love Bring It On and we've all seen Glee. Where, yeah. You know, they're really big, big aspects to these stories. But you have such a newfound respect for the sport. And I love how creative it is as well. It's yeah. a mixture of sport, of athleticism, creativity, and mathematics. <laughs> mathematics? Yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. So when the when the coach is actually going through the routine and she's like, okay, so you can afford to, you know, not get this particular move perfect because it's only this much points deducted, but you can't afford to do this one. If we do well on this, you can afford to do a little bit poorly on this one. So what they say is that they always want to hit zero, which means zero deductions. Yeah. That that is, you know, what your score is. Okay. So because it can never always be perfect and you're even planning on, okay, if you make this mistake, how are we going to recover to get the most minimal amount of deductions yeah because it's all about getting the highest points to get the trophy in the end and to be honest watching the show you don't know if they'll make it they're they're a really well-regarded team she is like one of the most famous coaches in the united states Mm -hmm. kids are coming from all over north america to be a part of this team in texas oh my gosh yeah it is fascinating it's i've not a huge binger but i've binged the six episodes like you wouldn't (laughs) believe oh wow highly recommend cheer Five stars. Not that anyone cares, but that was my two cents. That's awesome. <laughs> Beautiful. And um, Wayne. Yes. What is today's film? Well, today we are reviewing the 1972 cult classic thriller, Duel. Please explain. En route to meet a client, businessman David Mann, Dennis Weaver, is tailgated, taunted, and terrorized by the driver of a rusted Peterbilt 281 after David overtakes him. Written by Richard Matheson from his own short story, originally published in Playboy magazine for those who do read the text, Jewel was produced on a budget of $450,000 and shot in 13 days as part of the ABC Movie of the Week series in the United States. 
Additional scenes and expletives were added for its international theatrical release, introducing the world to a young director by the name of Steven Spielberg, who had his hands firmly on the wheel. But Kendall, did you keep your eyes on the road for Jewel? Did I keep my eyes on the road? Yes, I couldn't take them away. (laughs) My gosh. A precursor to Jaws, if there ever was one. Yeah. My goodness. We can draw some similarities. There There are similarities, whether it's a truck or a giant freaking truck by the name of Bruce. Um, Yes. yes. Uh, My goodness. I, yeah, I've always wanted to watch this film because I'm a huge Spielberg fan. I've seen most of Spielberg's stuff and mm. I've I always adored him from, you know, young kid watching, you know, Indiana Jones. Yes. <laughs> uh, all the way, you know, to now I'm finally seeing his first film. It's, it's, it's so impressive. And the fact that they only, like, I was one, watching it wondering what the budget was. And yeah. To see it's only $450,000. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, mm. that's, for what they've pulled off, I think it's, I think that's really good. And 13 days of filming, like... I don't know. I'm very. I don't. Know, I think I'm very impressed. Like it's. It's just. It's such a small scale. Yeah. Kind of film. Uh, it's such a simple story, but mm-hmm. to and to be able to stretch that to ninety minutes. Like, do you know how long the original like movie of the week televised version is? Like, yeah, it was seventy five minutes. Seventy five minutes. Yes. Okay, so this is about ninety. Yeah, about ninety. So about fifteen minutes were added. Yeah. Yes. yeah so yeah. the scenes that were added yep. that I know of mm-hmm. was the introduction bit where the car's pulling out of the driveway. Oh. Now we have the opening credits going through yeah uh, we've got the school bus scene which was added in oh okay i believe the railroad scene where the the truck sort of pushing, pushing him from behind i yep. believe that one was added okay. and quite significantly and we'll talk about this why yeah the scene where david is talking to his wife on the phone oh was okay. added for theatrical reasons wow, yes okay all right that 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 changes the perspective on yeah things. yeah i wouldn't mind watching the original cut just yeah. to compare the two yeah it would be interesting yeah. yeah it would be yeah but no i i i like the fact that yeah they 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 successfully like Spielberg managed to successfully draw it out to 90 minutes i mm. think is pretty good like I'm, i thought maybe a couple of the parts during some of the chase scenes maybe were dragged out a bit too long, mm. I think, in parts. But, but for the most part, it is paced pretty well, Like especially with the way the, the suspense is built and the tension is raised and yeah. the stakes are raised. And yeah, I don't know. But like I find it... <sighs> David's an interesting character because I kind of find him hard to like. Yeah. He's not very likable mm. for me. I uh, I'm sure we'll find out what you guys think yeah. later on. But by the end of the film, though, you're, you're sympathizing with him because this is just... And I love the fact that they don't ever explain any mm-hmm. of it. We never see who the driver is. No. They never reveal that. Um, and I, I'm, I'm so glad they don't do that. Because yes. I think it adds to the, the terror of it all. Absolutely. That some random individual has just decided to just, for shits and gigs probably, <laughs> just to, to terrorize this, this man on the, on the tracks. It even reminded me of, um, you know, the horror film Jeepers Creepers. Yes. So I feel like that may, movie may have taken some inspiration yeah. from Jewel just because of the earlier stages of that film have this scary looking truck, basically, yeah. that is chasing these two kids on, down a highway and terrorizing them in a similar manner. So I was, I was thinking of that a bit, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's an oh it's an influential gosh. movie. References to Jewel can be found throughout film, TV, and video games yeah, as well. Wow. Mm, absolutely, oh yeah. Uh, even in Mr. Bean, there's an episode where it references Jewel. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Wow, That's, that is so awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, I yeah I I I enjoyed this film. I did. I yeah. thought it was really good. Yeah, Philip, no stranger to the road or the mm. rage. <laughs> <laughs> How did you find Jewel? So. 
on paper, I really don't like a lot of Spielberg's movies mm. on paper. And I'll explain what I mean by that is Jaws is a shark is the bad guy and attacks a guy. Jewel mm. uh, is a car is the bad guy <laughs> and attacks a guy. And it, on paper, it feels like any of these other thrillers you get, you know, like Snakes on a Plane or, yeah. or, or Sharknado. It feels like if you pitched that to me and said, oh, I've got this awesome idea. It's nine minutes of a guy being chased by a car. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> but that's why I say only on paper because mm. unlike your Snakes on the Plane, your, your, your Sharknado, all these other Anaconda, stuff like that, Spielberg knows how to do it right. Yeah. yeah. Spielberg knows how to make this really simple concept. Yeah, yeah. A masterpiece. Hmm. I've seen bits and pieces of this. This is one of those movies that yeah. you sort of, you know, you're flicking through and you might catch the middle of it and, mm. you know, and sort of watch it for a bit and then go, oh, I need to see the rest of this. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I've seen bits and pieces of it. And of course, as you say, it's right through all pop culture. Yeah. But definitely actually watching it. I thought at first I was going to be bored. I thought at first mm. I was going to be like, oh, I know where this is going. Because yeah. right. you're but, right, that's on paper what the premise would allow, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's a truck chasing a car. Yeah. Okay, that's cool for a brief action sequence, but 90 minutes? Yeah, that's yeah. it, that's it. But I really did find myself, my heart was racing. Mm. This was oh, a, yeah. This, I really enjoyed this as a thriller. So again, we, yeah. we know that I'm not good with horror. Yeah. And okay, this isn't a horror, it's thriller, but it's still on that oh. branch. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, no, you're not wrong. And the thing is, what one thing that I really like about Jewel is there's nothing that's excessive about it i mean yes mm. the truck goes the truck driver goes to extremes but it's so believable there's no supernatural force yeah. there's yeah, it's yeah. About to believable say that. yeah it was really so nice. it's, a, it's a real life horror that's it yeah. Yeah. it was really nice that it wasn't a magic truck yeah it yeah. was really nice that you didn't see it you know it, it's gone off on i expected a couple of times mm. and i was really glad it didn't but you know he's veered off onto some other road and he's doing the whole, oh, it's safe. Yeah. And I, in my head, expecting the, he looks in the mirror and it's there again. <laughs> yeah, or it's like in front. Yeah, like somehow front. it's yeah, caught yeah, up and exactly. gotten around, like a slasher villain. But I was yeah. really happy that those moments were left to, okay, he now has to pull in somewhere yeah. and the truck's caught up. Yes. That was really good. That yeah. it was kept in a semblance of reality. Yeah, yeah for sure. You know? Again, at the end, I you have the big... The, over the edge and all that stuff. Mm. I was half expecting when he's sitting there catching his breath. I'm half expecting the truck driver to have jumped I was out too, and, like, and then, like knock him over the back of the head, and there'd be this wrestle, or you know, he's now dead or something. You like know that. what? These days, that's how it would end. Let's yeah, be honest. If it was true. made these right. days, yeah. because we'd like, oh, we need the seat jumper. But no, this is so refined. It's so refined, yeah, and so well contained. done. Yeah, that's it. it's really strong. Um, yeah. And you know, talking about the man himself, mm. Mr. Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So as a first feature film. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> it's like, who are you, kid? Like yeah. this is what you pull out on yeah. such a limited budget and yeah. short time frame. Just Insane. like phenomenal. Yeah. And I think this is why you can see that Spielberg had and has. The career he does. Mm. Because if this is what you're producing after doing, you know, a short film here, a TV episode there, and then you're given this. Yeah. Like, 
absolutely incredible. Oh my god, I'm just looking up how old Spielberg was at the time. He was like mid-twenties yes. when he made Jewel. I'm so depressed. I know! <laughs> but oh amazing. God. And Kendall, you hinted at this before, but what I love, and you can only get this retrospectively, but you can see some foreshadowing of two of Spielberg's biggest blockbusters. Yeah. So the premise itself is, as both of you have said, like Jaws. Yeah. How we've got this, you know, unstoppable force apparently who is targeting an everyday man. And the climactic scene when the truck goes over the cliff, yeah. you know, makes this noise, almost like a dinosaur. Growl. Oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> that noise that the truck makes as it goes over the cliff is used in Jaws. No! Yeah. So in the climax of Jaws, oh. Spielberg uses the exact same sound to acknowledge that he has a career because of Jewel. And so he used it I'm in gonna Jaws. I'm going to cry. Yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah. We can see oh the sort of storyteller that Spielberg oh. is and will develop and will become in Jewel. The film is almost like a one-man show. It is. Really. Like, yeah. David does interact with other people, and yes, yeah. he's got an antagonist there. Mm-hmm. But we have to be with him from the get-go. Mm. So it is interesting, Kendall, you said he's not really the most likable or accessible person. Yeah. This is true. And there mm. are moments There are moments that are hinted, and I think it's to reiterate that he is the outsider here. Yeah, yeah. So if we're yeah. going through typical horror and thriller tropes, trouble happens when there's an outsider. Yeah. And David is an outsider here. Totally. He's this white collar man in humble people's area, so yeah. to speak. Mm-hmm. One thing that gets me that I think really alludes to David's character and maybe his own prejudices, perhaps, or opinions on other people, yeah. is when he's in the cafe and he orders his sandwich yeah. and feels the need to <laughs> spell, spell rye <laughs> to the waitress. Because, oh. heaven forbid, somebody who works with food does not know what rye bread is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And it's almost by emphasizing rye, it's more of a... It's a, it's a healthier, it's a better... It's a more expensive choice than yeah, white bread, for yeah, example. Yeah. Just little moments like that really, really fascinate me. You get hints of these through David. Mm. But, Phil, did you find David as a protagonist accessible? Were you distant? Did we like him from the get-go? I felt that he was... Yeah, okay, we had that sort of... You know, he's not the perfect sort of character, but I think he, that's almost what made him accessible yeah he wasn't every man he was he's not meant to be perfect you're meant to at first hate him a little bit or well, not hate but he's just sort of like oh come on mate <laughs> you know you're uh, but you're not meant to have any pure dislike no so that when it first starts off you're like oh yeah whatever mate but as it goes on you're like oh okay this is now above and beyond any annoyance i had of this yeah, character yeah you this is the phrase you wouldn't wish this on your worst enemy yeah now yeah, if this stuff was happening to someone that would just seen you know, murder some children, then you'd be like, okay, this is a movie about getting your just desserts. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, because this is just sort of an everyman. Also, I feel if he was too saintly, Mm. it would almost be too preachy to sort of, uh, the virgin gets killed first sort of trope. And I think as well, David is the way he is to really reiterate him as an outsider. He's the fish out of water in this scenario here. Mm -hmm. And I think there are lots of other elements that, 
imply that and really enforce that. One of the things is also his vehicle. So his Plymouth Valiant. Mm. It's this really bright orangey red color. So it sticks out in this arid and desert-like area, whereas the truck blends in. The truck belongs here. You don't belong. David gets a lot of looks from people because he's the only one in the shirt and tie. (laughs) So, yeah, and I think you're right, Phil, as well. That's what makes us connect to him. We're the outsiders in this scenario. Yeah, that's true. It's just road for days (laughs) and hills and tumbleweed. Mm -hmm. I love the use of tumbleweed in this movie. Yeah, it's so random. It's a wonderful effect. It does. <laughs> <laughs> so good. You know, um, even when he's in that, when he stops by the lady with the snakes. Yeah. And he goes to use the phone booth. He does have to comment, you know, what a strange place for a phone booth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that he really does always feel out of it, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. And especially when I found that confronting that, this, the diner scene like is super effective. That mm. whole sequence that we get there is super effective and... But just from the moment he walks in, yeah, the, the, the two the two older men or the, that one older man outside mm. was like asking him if he's okay and like checking on him and blah yeah. blah blah. But as soon as David walks into the diner, like the owner's just like, "What happened out there?" And he just kind of tries to downplay it, and then mm. they make fun of him. Absolutely, they they shun him immediately. Yes, they they're not welcome. Even the waitress, like even though I kind of can understand why she would be not favorable of, of David because <laughs> of the way he was treating her. But like, just, you know, even she was like in mid conversation with him, the look on her face expression, the way she kept kind of turning her head yeah. and like while he was trying to, you know, study the menu, decide what to, you mm. know? So it's just, yeah, it's just so interesting that they're just, and, and even like the, the old couple down, mm-hmm. you know, further down the, the road, like they immediately the, the, the wife, of the two is just like, no, we're not interested. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like straight away. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's so, it's so strange. And it's, mm. I think it, it, it does reinforce that outsider thing, especially because yeah. you don't want to, you, you kind of want to, you're there for your own, but yes. if someone, someone that clearly looks out of place and unfamiliar and is strange to you, mm. you don't want to, you don't want to get involved with their stuff. Like maybe mm. it kind of makes you wonder if, if it had been one of them, Going yeah, through this, yeah. how would the people have reacted? To be fair, though, as a country bumpkin myself, yeah. mm. I got really angry. I don't know if you heard, Wayne, but I actually went... Um, <laughs> when he drives off after breaking the fence, because oh, it is yeah. it is a sin to not try to at least prop up a fence or or offer to pay for the fence. Or <laughs> Do you know what? I did hear that response from you, Philip. And do you know what I actually thought you were being judgmental about? What? Was the fact that he got on the road and kept driving. <laughs> but like, as in not turning around to go back oh, home. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, well, thought, that's what I thought yeah. you were going. It's like, dude. <laughs> no, 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 no. For me, it was purely the fence. It's like, you didn't even... Well, Kendall and I are city folk. There's a letterbox. <laughs> You see, and again, this is just how much I've been bred to. If you, I once uh, uh, went AWOL off a dirt road. I um, was trying to miss a roo. Yeah. And on dirt road, my car spun out and I actually ended up under a fence. Oh, crikey. Oh, mm. scary. I, I got myself out and the farmer actually came up and all that. I actually went down the next day. And hammered back his star oh, post back nice. in because that's what you're taught to do. That's what you do. Yeah. Well, it is very much, even though we've got such a sparse landscape, you feel like a tight knit community because yeah. country folk, rural folk understand one another. Yeah. So, one of the recurring things 
that David has to encounter is that people think he's crazy. Yeah. Mm. So he's telling a bit of an elaborate story because it's well ridiculous. Why would a random truck driver just want to kill you? And of course, as he's getting more and more desperate, as he's getting more and more exhausted, as the day is going on, as his car is starting to fail, it's affecting him mentally, psychologically, physically, emotionally. Mm -hmm. So he just comes across as being quite crazy. When he's questioned as if he's in the wrong... Yeah. It's yeah. such an attack yeah. because he now really does feel like he's alone. Yeah. And we're alone with him in that car. I find that sure. interesting too because if you did it today, there's been enough YouTube videos mm. of people with their dash cams yeah. showing people flipping out in road yeah. rage that I think today if he'd pulled over that old elderly couple, they would have ushered him in the car and bolted because yeah. they're like yeah that happens yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no absolutely i'm also wondering if he's like kind of just I- increasing loss of mental state basically, oh yeah over the film mm. might even have something to do with the fact that he doesn't turn around because mm. like earlier on in the film i'm like before things get really messed up and yeah this, this driver really starts to try and kill him properly you just i'm just wondering why doesn't he just why don't you just turn around or mm. find an alternate route or something? Because it just it keeps happening, and then it keeps happening again, and then, and then it gets to the point where he's like, "Oh, well, now I'm going to miss my appointment." Yeah, and he knows yeah. he's got his his wife, who's like, "Oh, your mum's here, and you yeah. know, you, we need you home by this time." And he's like, "I'll probably be there. I'll probably make it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine." And he he's caught so caught up in this chase, and I don't know if it's because either a he's very stubborn because mm. he seems that way, or b he's just. In his nature, like maybe it's in some kind of human nature to just see things through, yeah. or, or to to be victorious, maybe, or because he's so crazy and just wants, I don't know, just he's just driven, like for lack of a better term, he's just driven to keep keep going instead yeah. of turning around because it's gotten to a point where he should really just leave. Mm. But then again, who's to say if he turned around that, you know, our, our you know, friendly truck driver wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't you know, do Following the same home, thing. Yeah. yeah. But that is a good point. What's waiting for, like he's missed his appointment mm. outside at no point do they sort of make him, again, it's nitpicking, but yeah. it's just that at what, there's no point where they make him sort of say, oh, well, I can still save this or something. Yeah. At, yeah. The, at the point of, well, I'm going to miss this appointment. Mm. When he said that in the car, I was like, okay, he's going to, it's that sort of throwaway, well, I'm going to miss this appointment, but you still sort of go there to see what you can salvage. Yeah. For me, at the, you're right, it's funny that I tisked at the uh, that point, because you are actually right, too. That's the point where he should have turned around and gone home. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I also, I, yeah, because I always think that as well. I'm like, okay, he acknowledges that, oh, well, you know, I've now missed the appointment, so he's really frustrated with this truck driver. But I feel like he still goes on because, like you've said, Phil, okay, maybe I can still salvage this because he does make a point about how important this meeting is. His client is going to Hawaii, you know, the next day. He has to make this. Yeah. And I feel like by the point of the infamous broken fence now (laughs) (laughs) that got the judgment of Philip, uh, (laughs) I feel like it's almost now, well... I have yeah. to evade this truck. Yeah. I have to almost even just stand my ground. He yeah. has that moment where he goes, you know what, buddy, you've won. Go away. You have the highway. It's yours. Yeah. Park's by the side. I'm just going to rest and sleep for an hour or whatever. Yeah, and the yeah. truck is still there. So I wonder, and I know the scene that we're talking about happens before he makes that call of just mm. having a rest and waiting for the truck to disappear. Yeah. But I wonder if in the back of his mind it is almost like, I can't bring this home. 
almost. Yeah. It's like, I need, I need to, to be done with it now. The, the truck has to be gone. Yeah. It's never explicitly said, and I think it's probably one that's you could debate for hours as, mm. to, yeah. as to why, because it's in a film that presents everything in a really logical manner, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, we don't know the truck driver's intention, because it's an extreme reaction to being overtaken. Yeah. <laughs> it really yeah. is. Yeah. Again, maybe seeing this outsider, reinforcing this. Yeah. But, yeah, you, you could go, well, what really is David's motivation? Yeah. I'm not too sure. I mean, yeah. Jewel itself is a David versus Goliath narrative. For sure. Yeah. So, coincidentally, the protagonist's name is David. Not so coincident. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say because yeah. his name is David Mann, the Everyday Man. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely, it's so on the nose. Yeah. But, I, but like, it's not, you know, distasteful or no. Anything. It's yeah. really mm. enforcing this. Yeah. And even with that, you could break down things like his car being a Plymouth Valiant. Mm. So he's valiantly overcoming it. And in America, mm. Plymouth, Plymouth Rock. Mm. That's very much that sort of. Um, uh, underdog story. Mm. Plymouth Rock. It was an un- underdog story for the American uh, dream, as it were. Mm. Um, so I think you could even sort of uh, take some of that away from it as well. They would have yeah. chosen the car very specifically. Sure, yeah. yeah. Wow. And speaking of that as well, also the truck is mm. very specific. It's got eyes. It's got a yeah. real. Yeah. It's it. The the vehicles are characters. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely yes. David is the David. Yeah. But so is his car. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. It. yeah. It's there's only one way this could really end, I suppose, when mm-hmm. we look at that narrative structure. One of the more fascinating things I find about Jewel, extraordinarily sophisticated for an early nineteen seventies road chase thriller, really. Mm-hmm. It's a cat and mouse game. Mm-hmm. You know, we think we know what to expect. But if we looked at a little bit closer, it's an amazing commentary on gender and masculinity. Mm. Oh, definitely. And we see this from David's evolution, really, of his gender performance and his own self-confidence grow throughout the film. Mm. At the very beginning, we hear the radio about a man who challenges the convention because he's the stay-at-home dad in the 1970s. And he feels embarrassed about not being the head of the household or the breadwinner because he's got some clear social anxieties there that he prefers to stay at home and doesn't want to mix with people, but happy for the wife to go out and work. Now, I appreciate this is 1970s, not 1870s, Hmm. but still a big deal. Think about about where we are now, and still women are the majority caretakers of children within a traditional family unit and family makeup and household. So for 1970s, it's quite forward thinking that this man on the radio, who comes across as awkward and a little bit shy, like we can sense that by his voice there. Mm. But he's almost mirroring David as well, I feel. Even though David is the breadwinner, if you will, of the household, he has this conversation when he's at the gas station slash laundromat with his wife. Mm. And we can sense what type of man he really is in this dynamic in Mm. that he doesn't really stand up for himself or his wife because she's talking about a party that they were at the previous night where a mutual friend uh, was inappropriate towards her and David didn't stand up for her. Mm. And that has led to some tension still unresolved because she even says, you know, we talk about this now over the phone. We're just going to fight about it as well. The way that Spielberg even frames that scene. Mm. with David on the phone is absolutely 
gorgeous. It is, yeah. He begins by resting his leg up on a table and a woman who's there to do the laundry and she is large on purpose because she dominates the frame. And it's all polite and everything, you know, he he gets out of her way so she can move. But then she's in the foreground. Mm. She opens the lid and we see David through the circular lens. Mm. So he's diminished. He's less important and she's dominating the scene. He's diminutive now. It's so clever. <laughs> it's, it's just so, so yeah. clever. Yeah, it's mm. very clever. And also when we first see David pull up to the gas station, we've got a lovely close-up of his vehicle. The truck comes in and the camera pulls away yeah. to make room for this truck that dwarfs his car. And we get hints of this throughout the film as well. Yeah. It, about how David really has to sort of come into his own. Yeah, or well, like the scene with the, the school kids. Yes. Like Kids don't respect him. The kids don't respect <laughs> no. him. Mm. Uh, he can't, despite his all his efforts, he cannot push the bus with his car. Yes. And then his car gets stuck, and then the kids continue to make fun of him. Yeah. The only not- good thing about that scene is the driver, who's just kind of, you know, <laughs> innocent and funny. Yeah. And, and, and polite and all of that. But yeah, and then... And then the truck appears, yes. and because the driver do- kind of thinks David's nuts, yeah. um, doesn't get the context of the situation. But then, as soon as David gets the car and starts to go, the truck just comes in, doesn't say anything, <laughs> just gets behind, pushes the bus back yes. onto the road. And, and he's instantly the good guy and he's from just, there. Yes, I love good that. Guy. Absolutely. Yeah. There is no fear of this truck. The kids are playing by the side of a highway, yeah. which is just perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, da- David's saying, get in the bus, don't go on the road. The bus driver's like, they're not on the road, kids. Oh, you can play, fine. it's fine. Yeah. Let's do this. Even have a little girl addresses the bus driver, comes up to him in a very sweet voice. Mm. Mr. Pfeiffer, that guy's stuck now too. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it, it just shows the different dynamics, mm. how they're treated. You yeah. know, the bus driver's in his own uniform. He's got this respect. He's got this duty of care for the children here. Yes. So even though the bus may not blend into the background like a lot of the other vehicles here no. and the truck as well, but it is a symbol of this community, I suppose, yeah, yeah. that does band together. Yes. Yeah. And with the truck helping the bus. Absolutely. Reinforces that outsider element with David. Yeah. Well. We're here. It's like, who, you know, you are intruding on this. Yeah. And David is disrespected throughout the film. People mm. are civil. Like yeah. a gorgeous snake lady. <laughs> I, yeah. I adore her. No, she's sweet, actually. But, but I do have to say... There's always a part of me that chuckles internally <laughs> where she's just running after her snakes. Yeah. I know I know, I know I shouldn't laugh, but I just find it. No, my snakes. No. Why would he do that to my snakes? <laughs> and she oh, yeah, almost and has a giant mo- tarantula, sorry. <laughs> but she almost has a moment of the biggest of, scare for you, Kendall. Yes. <laughs> she almost has that moment of blaming him. Yeah. Like, what it's almost uh, if he, they had a proper conversation. What did you do to annoy him to make him do this? Yeah. To you? you brought yeah. this evil to me because yeah. she's confused. Why yeah. would he do that? Yeah, and the only link there is David. Absolutely yep. right. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. But again, it's normal in these genre pieces. We blame the outsider because everything is always perfectly fine until the outsider comes in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very very clever. It is. Yeah, very clever. One of the things that I also like. is is through David's evolution is that, you know, he does think smarter about how to approach this. So now what we might say separates him 
from the people he is around and that might make him unlikable is that maybe, you know, looks down his nose to these people, mm. but he uses his smites. So we know that David would have to be a good communicator mm. because he's a businessman. He's about to meet a client, going to seal the deal, for example. We see that he's processing that when he's in the cafe and wants to approach the truck driver. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned before, Kendall, that how that whole scene plays out is just absolutely wonderful. It's awesome. It is so tense because yeah. I know I always look which one is the truck driver. Yeah. There's so many gorgeous little red herrings in there. Mm. Little jump scares as well. Even mm-hmm. just the slamming of the utensils on the table to snap David out of his thought process. Yeah. I love the narration. It's a whisper. Mm. It's a whisper. It's a controlled whisper, but it's erratic at the same time. And he's thinking, how can I approach this person? Oh, you know, I'll buy your beer. We'll, you know, kind of get over it because that's what men do. Yeah. Yeah. It's just all of these little hints, but we get his process so that by the time we get to the end, we can see that there has been some sort of logical Mm. thought. We're not privy to it really. No. But we can see how it progresses. And so beautifully is one of the final moments he puts his briefcase Mm. down on the pedals. Mm. Zoom in on his name. Yeah. He's leaving the old David man behind. Mm. Yeah. And he's taken the leap, literally, into new beginnings. And he's got that end reflection. And that's why I think we're all glad there is no traditional, what's now traditional, jump scare. Because it's about David and how he is a new man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautifully done. After saying that, no idea how he's getting home. He's in the middle. <laughs> 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 this is this is the one lingering question. But I, you know, at that stage, let's be honest. David doesn't care. <laughs> no, no, that's happy it. it's over. That's it. Um, it's like you know, what's how's he going to explain this to the wife? How's he going to do? <laughs> no, David doesn't care. Oh, you know what? She was. She's not going to believe him. No, that's <laughs> it. That's it. she will. You wouldn't believe. You would not believe him no. at all. No, no, no. Way. It's yeah. It's, it's yeah. I just love that that the the way the narration is used to kind yeah. of like reinforce the 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 idea of masculinity he needs to put on. Yeah. He needs to portray as the breadwinner of the family, as just the man, as this white collar man as yeah. well, who thinks he's better essentially yeah. than all of these locals. Like I just love the way he's like convincing himself when he comes out of the bathroom yeah. to just like, Oh, it was nothing. It was, it's fine. It's yeah. laugh, laugh it off. It's fine. The nightmare's over. It's done. It's done. Because it's, that's what men do. They yeah. fight, they get over it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's the same when, you know, he's thinking about, about the whole thing about, you know, going back to his wife and having that conversation. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's just like, Oh, nothing. And then I don't think it's not a case of whether or not she would believe him. I think it's just more of a like, no, I'm a, I'm a man. I'm going to get on with it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get back just back to normality and just forget this ever happened. So he's yes. trying to use that as a coping mechanism for maybe just dealing with this whole thing, maybe yeah. just isolating it. And yeah, it's just mm. interesting that he feels he needs to, be a certain way but then by you know the time the film's done when he's just with the, with the whole briefcase thing like he's yeah. just ready to throw it all out the window <laughs> because I just, he just wants it to be over he just wants to survive and yeah. it just uh, it just tears him down to a base kind of level as a person yeah I, I love it and I think in that climax as well the performance of Dennis Weaver is absolutely outstanding mm. just the look on his face yeah. that sheer scream of terror of desperation yeah always gets me and the way that those scenes 
are framed, the way they're shot, these mm. intense close-ups. We've got that jagged three-beat close, close, close. Yeah. Uh, which is done a few times in the film and the tight angles. Sometimes it's the truck's point of view. Yeah. Sometimes it's ours. Sometimes it's these really wide shots to show that it's these two men alone, essentially, on mm. the road, literally a duel. And it isn't a traditional duel until the very end when no. David spins the car around. Mm. And the truck driver himself is just so focused. Maybe does not notice. Maybe does not care that David's jumped out of the car. We don't know. Yeah. There's so much smoke coming out there. Yeah. And of course, that problem is hinted at at the very beginning as well and comes to play at the I, end. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> like, when, they, when they brought up the radiator hose oh, for the second was... time, I was like, oh, it's going to come back a third time. <laughs> I, was, I know this. I knew as soon as they said that, I was like, it's so heavy handed. Yeah. To me, they were just like cocking Chekhov's gun. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is no. going to go off later. What yeah. <laughs> I love though, you're right. It is heavy handed because it's like, it's foreshadowing this moment. But I like that they use it in the way that we would all use it. David responds, oh, where have I heard that before? Yeah. yeah. Because it, you can always then mask it, can't you? Because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, it's put in there because we can relate mm-hmm. to going to the service station because, you know, you go in for one thing and suddenly your whole car needs a reworking yeah. so far. Yeah. It's a gorgeous cliche that he just laughs off. Also, he's a businessman probably in sales. He knows mm. the tactics. Yeah. <laughs> Most certainly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially because the attendant was so enthusiastic yeah. about, like, what can I do for? What can I, how can I help? And all this stuff. Like, yeah, I think, yeah, that, I, it's totally understandable that he would dismiss that as, like, mm, mm, yeah. this guy's just make, trying to make an extra buck. Yeah. And I think David's voice, his tones, how they change throughout the film, add to, I suppose, the soundtrack of this movie. Yeah. So what's really interesting about this is that Billy Goldenberg's score is kept to a minimum, except towards really that final act to mm-hmm. really emphasize the tension. Yep. But a lot of the time it's natural sounds. Mm. Yeah, it's it is. vehicles. It's that, that calmness of, of the air, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do we think about how sound is used to tell build suspense? I think this is where you can really see the Alfred Hitchcock, Inspiration, yep. yes, and Spielberg has acknowledged it for this. Yes, how Hitchcock uses sound, yeah. yeah, and like it's well known that Spielberg is a huge Alfred Hitchcock fan. He said a few interviews about how he was snubbed by <laughs> Hitchcock yeah. in this Oh character. yeah, it's a good yeah, story. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful story. <laughs> I actually there was one bit of sound where I went, oh, that's actually a a nod and a wink. There yeah. is you hear that psycho trill. Oh, you it do. was there, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. which is again gorgeous it's beautiful but this you know talking about about Spielberg here and how this is so impressive Mm. as a first feature film is it shows the work he's done Mm. like fan of Hitchcock so Spielberg hasn't just gone to the movies he's studied movies it's been his education you learn from the masters he's presenting a suspenseful story here so who better to look to the yeah. Hitchcock. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Sure. It really is that, like, I don't know whether this is just sort of said of him or whether he actually said it at some point or anything like that, but it really is that watching his movies and going, I can do that better. Yeah. Sort of thing. Well, you sort of need to, don't you? That's and you, and if it. it's doing carbon copies, what's the point? Mm. I love filmmakers who do homages and, mm. yeah. like, to the people that came before yeah, them. Stud- yeah, study the greats, become greater. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the score, I think, is just absolutely it's impeccable. awesome, mm. yeah. And the use of sound overall yeah, is Yeah, really it is. Good. And especially because... 
We've all heard trucks that sound like that. Yeah. Like almost every day. Mm. Uh, so I'm like dreading the drive home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also it's quite clever, I think, in terms of how we've had that terrifying scene. And we don't really know, I guess, if David's maybe just off in a daydream and is scared, but where that truck is trying to push him into the train that's going by. It kind of mm. came out of nowhere. It really did, yeah. It was one of those like, oh, okay, there was no build-up to it. No. This film is quite... Well paced, I supposed, and is clever in its moments, and it does what the best thrillers do: is that it gives you high octane thrills, mm. then it shuts it down completely, so you can breathe, you can feel safe, yeah. only to either build up or to do an equivalent of a jump scare. Because I won't mm. say that there are jump scares here, no. but there are, I guess, versions of yeah. of mm. jump scares here where then they do come out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. So then, when we have the moment that David has actually gone to sleep for about an hour and we hear the noise we think it's a truck Mm. and it end up being a train train, yeah yeah, i love that yeah and Mm. also that train i love is seen in the background when the final pursuit happens to really emphasize how fast and how intense Mm. david and the truck driver are actually going yeah they're beating an express train a freight train yeah Yeah. like it's crazy and and another interesting thing i noticed about that is when the the truck you know, used its horn. Yes. And then the train answered back. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, David's fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Two kings of the road, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Dwarfing him because yeah. what can what can David do? Beep mm-hmm. his horn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's, I love it. It's yeah. so effective. It's a lion and a mouse, yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. And yeah, so again, David has to use his wits, actually has to use this education, his street smarts as well. Yeah. I'm so impressed that David can navigate this vast area without maps or gps bless you (laughs) there's this instinct here and i suppose david even really says it doesn't he when he's in the cafe and he's thinking about how well we're just back to the jungle Mm. it's all about these primal animal instincts for survival yeah it's kind of what i was alluding at before yeah Yeah. absolutely Mm. uh Visual style, absolutely beautiful. I love the mm. cinematography. Uh, it was done by Jack A. Marta and the editor was Frank Morris. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous tight close-ups. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, the truck and the landscape blend into one. The contrast of David's car sticking out. There's all of these gorgeous visual cues here. Yeah, yeah. These angles that were on the road with the truck were hovering over... Yeah, I, I love the visual style of this film. I think it really adds to the suspense as well. Yeah, um, definitely yeah. does. Especially with those close-ups close, close ups really kind of just reminding you how alone David is yes. in this fight. Yeah. And, uh, and how claustrophobic the whole thing kind of is. Even though they're in this vast mm. desert, mountainous area. Yeah. Like, it's just this contained thing that's happening yes. and with him and it's just him alone against Goliath yeah. with his truck. With very little room to move. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think even like a lot of the cars and vehicles that David encounters, David's is always the smallest. Because, you know, it's like a pickup truck or it's a ute or it's a yeah, station a wagon. Point. Like David's is always the smallest. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it, it's interesting. And again, his is all, besides the school bus, but that's <laughs> the colour it is for a reason. Yeah. But his is always the brightest. Yeah. yeah. But even when he's with another bright force, it go, you know, it golfs. <laughs> it's, it's huge mm. yeah. compared to his. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I find this such a taut piece and I love the visual style because like you said before Kendall the a lot of the pursuits 
take a lot of time and they go on. One could argue maybe sometimes they go too long. You're like, okay, come on, let's yeah. cut back into the car. Let's hear some of David. Let's see something else. Yeah. But I think the visual style really helps push it along. It does because yeah. not all of not all of the the, scene, the, the chase scenes are, are like that because mm. of the way Jack A. Marta is using the camera and how Spielberg's directing him. Yeah. The different kinds of shots we're getting, the different wide shots, close shots, like panning around, like mm. the POV of each vehicle. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's just, it all flows together really nicely yes. and it helps, and it helps to add to the suspense and the atmosphere of what we're watching. And it does keep you interested. Sometimes it does. I feel like it just, it's just the time length yeah. as opposed to what we're watching. Yes. Just kind of sometimes uh, once or twice did stretch on a bit too long for me, yes. but I don't think it is a huge detriment to, to the film. No. And I think one of the elements that I really like, in terms of editing is when we are in the vehicles in that climax, we're bouncing between how much fuel is left in the tank. You know, your oil is going over the top. Yeah. All of these different elements. That was factors. very intense. Very intense. That scene where he's trying to get up the hill and yes. then, the, and then the hose goes. Yes. And, and it's just the, all the close up shots of him and begging yes. for the car to just keep going. Absolutely. And then just, all, you know, close ups of like you're saying the dials and the, yes. the, the lights and all the smoke and everything. It just, and all quick cuts. Yes, which emphasizes the tension. Yeah. And then you've got the score, you've got the proximity of the truck. Yeah, it's all yes. oh, a finely tuned engine. Yes. You know? That and, just works. Yeah, and then we've got the contrast at the end when the truck is at the bottom of the cliff there. Mm. And we have snaps of the truck. Yeah. What I love about it is that because the truck is a character and such a significant character, when it's on the bottom, it's still got life in it. Yeah. The little fan, which we zoom in on, mm-hmm. is still going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see, you know, oil dripping. Yeah. The blood is still going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we then cut to the wheel. The muscles are still turning. And then the wheel stops. Mm. The tire stops. Then we go to David. Yeah. Because that's now when he can breathe. Because once that tire stops spinning... This yeah. beast is dead. dead. Yeah, that's it's so powerful. Yeah, oh my gosh. great use of imagery. So good. And I think a great film overall. Yeah. Kendall, I'm curious. Yes. Your final thoughts and a score out of five. Okay. All right, how do I sum this up? Yes, no, okay. I am very, very, very pleased uh, with Jewel. Uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And for a film that's only rated PG, mm. it's it, it does, you know put you on edge yeah. you're stressed you're anxious watching this you're you know whether you like david or don't like david you're he is our doorway into this film into this world into this experience he's going through so you, you're there with him you feel all this tension you feel the road rage at the start i was like i get road rage when i drive <laughs> so i like just before it turned sinister, yes. there's those those moments of him, of the truck slowing down, yeah. of him like veering to both sides to like stop him from passing. I was just, I was raging. But then, you know, there was that beautiful moment where everything turns and he's like, all right, you can come past. <laughs> and then he tries to overtake and there's a car coming. Yes. I freaking adored that. Yeah. That was one of my favorite moments of the whole film, I think. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. And again, as I said at the start, I, I love the fact that... It's, it's what you're saying that with the truck being a character, I'm glad we don't see the driver because, yeah, we mm. don't need to because no. of that, mm. uh, because of the way they show the truck and portray the truck and how it looks, mm. how menacing it is and, and, yeah, and the way it's filmed. And, yeah, I just really, I really enjoy that truck as the villain of this <laughs> whole thing and the story and the way 
the way David is represented and how you just, yeah, you just feel for him. And uh, Spielberg, man, I just, I can't, I cannot even with how, <laughs> how good this is for someone that young to craft a film, you know, on a small budget and a small time frame, like you said, like just, it's just, it's incredible and only a small taste of what was to come. And I, yeah. I, I imagine they probably didn't have any idea what it, this was going to grow into yeah. his, his filmography as uh, i mean maybe after his next film <laughs> i think we had some idea maybe but yeah no i'm so happy to have finally seen jewel if i'm gonna give it a score i suppose it would be a four out of five lovely yes philip absolutely loved how this looked loved how it kept us in suspense loved how all the characters that they were able to turn cars into characters mm. yep again on paper, this is nothing, but uh, Spielberg doesn't let anything stay on the paper, so <laughs> definitely have to give it a uh, four out of five. Nice. Well, I think that Jewel is such a beautifully taught thriller. It's believable, and that's what helps make it so scary. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right, Phil. A very simple premise, and the way it is just fleshed out. This is such a technically strong movie. Mm -hmm. It is just gorgeously put together. The score, the editing, the way that we get to know David throughout this film, the way he evolves and develops very much the everyday man. Mm -hmm. Dennis Weaver is absolutely outstanding here. I think that, as you've said, Kendall, he's our doorway into this world and we are with him all the way through. We can see why the town folk can see him as being irrational and he's really sensitive to the suggestion that he's crazy because when we're logical and reasonable and we know that David is like that, the last thing we want to be told is that, no, we're not the one that's in the right, we're not making sense. He possesses a lot of emotions here and displays them so perfectly. The voiceover narration of his internal thoughts are a deeper look into him. I love that for what appears to be a really simple chase thriller, there are so many layers and so much depth and Mm. meaning. Mm -hmm. The evolution and the symbolism in terms of masculinity is absolutely stunning. It's a gorgeous film that I think should be studied by up-and-coming filmmakers, especially for this genre. Yeah. Because this is how you do it on a bare-bones level. Yeah. And as you've said, study the greats and become greater. Mm -hmm. Duel is a cult classic for a reason. I'm not surprised that a movie of the week got turned into an international box office hit. Yeah. And I love that almost 50 years later, it holds the test of time and then some. Yeah, a stunning work, a wonderful debut from the man that would give me my all-time favourite movie. <laughs> yeah. Four and a half out of five. Nice. <laughs> Very good. So, Philip. Yes. What do you have in store for us next time? Next time, I'm bringing to the reviewing table The Shawshank Redemption. Whoa. Classic. Absolute classic. <laughs> and up there as one of my favourite films. Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with yeah, you. Yeah. Yep. Can't wait to revisit The Shawshank Redemption Yay. and watch that again. Nice. <laughs> Until then. I've been a Wayne Stellini. I've been a Kendall Richardson. And I've been a Philip Hunting. And, and you've just experienced Fred Watch. You music. Where's the car horn when you need one? <laughs>
<laughs> Hit the road, Phil. Hit the road. <laughs> and sing. Pre-show shenanigans. But I have a question. So I've got the film as 1971. In the credits, it's, it's 1972. Yeah, I noticed that. Because 71 was when it was done on TV, and then it was re-edited and released theatrically the next year. So I feel uh, like maybe I should do 72 because we are watching the theatrical, theatrical release. Yeah, yeah, yeah? Okay. that makes sense. Yeah, right, yeah. So. that does. Cool. And like you can throw in the 71 as a, a funny Easter egg trivia bit during the chat if you if it comes up if you feel it can go in there but really yeah we're watching the theatrical release the theatrical the... cut yeah alrighty Phil have you ever seen Dust, Dust Boat Dust what Dust Boat Dust Boat yes oh it's so fucking good mm. I've only seen the director's cut did you I... watch the TV series I didn't watch the TV series so I didn't really know it was it. a TV... I've heard it was good hold yeah. on hold on let's backtrack what movie is that then Dust Boat about the about... from the Nazi point of view World War 2 in the summer uh, no I haven't seen it oh, I've only seen I've seen another one called Dust Boot yeah which is a... Dust Boat Dust Boot even in German it's Boat I studied <laughs> German I know what I'm talking about I heard the Germans you heard the Germans well <laughs> you, heard, you heard wrong you heard some you heard some fucking Hollywood bullshit. It was a German movie. I'm talking about a. I'm talking about a World War One um, movie that came out a couple of years back, um, which is about uh, Germans. Don't give me that crap. No, it's just. I've so got like, German heritage, bitch. It's it whatever is I want. So, it's so. It's like okay, it's okay, like you okay. know what you know what I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna go here because it's also. I'm sorry to say, but it's also like English. I'm English. I'm closer to the Queen. Therefore, if it's the Queen's English, it's however I fucking pronounce it. Yeah. Honey, you are in the presence of a Queen. No, you're a client. Okay, good conversation. It's spelled, it's, <laughs> I didn't cool. really hear. Is it spelled? It's spelled. It's spelled. B B O O T. Yeah. But it's pronounced boat. Yeah. Apparently, or not. <laughs> well, it's interesting because we because we sell it at work. Obviously, yeah. um, I've had customers the come or the up film? both. Oh, okay, yeah. We had the the film's only on Blu-ray yeah. for some reason, um, but the seat we've got we've got season one on on um, yeah. was that on DVD SP- was out on SBS. Yeah, yeah. But people come in and they're like they'll say either dust boot or they'll go. I've heard dust boat and I almost wanted to correct them yeah. because I've only ever heard it said boot. Yeah. Well, it's not pronounced like in the... <coughs> it, I was teasing because it's, it's not... Pro- ph- not it's not phonetic. Yeah, and it's also not pronounced like boat no. as you would in English. No. But it's closer to English boat than it is to boot, boot. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. German pronunciation. Well, it's funny though because when... Um, it might be on SBS On Demand, Phil. The se- I think the it se- is. The series. It's actually... It's really, really good. I've, yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? The um, when when it was out, I think SBS even did a post how to pronounce the title. Oh wow! Yeah, so you could listen to it phonetically. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I need to I need to find this clip of how to say dust boot. Wow. Uh, <laughs> the B word yeah. uh, because I don't know. Yes. I have no idea. Look, it probably is both. And I'm just, no, no, it really isn't because be you're closer to the Queen's English <clears throat> and you're German heritage. <laughs> Blooper reel. I watched Something's Gotta Give with Keston. Oh. oh. Yes, the um, 
show with Jack Nicholson and Diane Keating? No. Keaton. Keaton. <coughs> you said show thinking. as well. Do you want to? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Stop that again yeah. um, with confidence. And don't mention Kristen because it sounds like she's in the movie. Oh, yeah, because they're with yeah, her. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. it can be interpreted, yeah. Or you can say Kirsten and I watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how about yourself, mate? What have you... Oh, mate. <laughs> mate. Mate! 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 <laughs> Doesn't work when there's three people in the room, mate. <laughs> We're all mates here. We are mm. good mates. Yes. Then you'd be like, okay, this is a movie about vengeance and mm. you're getting your up. Fuck. Yeah. So I do love that how many times it's... Let me start that again. <laughs> so, Philip. Yes. What do you have in store for us next time? Next week. Oh, fuck. <laughs> no, we haven't done one of those in ages. No, no, yeah, no. we used to say it all the time. Oh, yeah, really? yeah. <laughs> Next time, I'm bringing to our screen the... Our screen? Yeah, it's a podcast. It is. Too. Yeah, but it's, we're watching. Oh, okay. I'm feeling a lot Next week. At- <laughs> <laughs> Extended scene. It is fascinating. It's I've not a huge binger, but I've binged the six episodes like you wouldn't believe. Oh, wow. Highly recommend Cheer. Five stars. Not that anyone cares, but that was my two cents. That's awesome. <laughs> what do you get from cheerleading afterwards? Well, this is really interesting, Philip. Um, do you mean like as in a physical recognition or where can it lead to? Yeah, where can it lead to? And I mean that legit, not as no, a, not as no, a no, dig, no. like, oh, what's that going to... No. Like, legitimately, I was like, you know what? what? That is such a great question because I didn't even know the answer to this. After you do cheerleading in college, mm-hmm. nowhere. <laughs> that is the lifespan. So, for example, like a lot of football teams and basketball teams and so forth have yeah. cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. They're not professional cheerleaders in the sense what these kids go through. They're yeah. more dancers than anything else. Yeah. So mm. it is a career that ends after your college years, unless you want to be a coach. That's so strange because I figure so like yeah. they would have... Wouldn't you want... Like cheerleaders of that caliber, yeah. you know, representing your your top NBA teams, your top, you know, yeah. gridiron teams so in the States. Like, y- you would think so, yeah. So but really, strange. if you want to go into that yeah. at the, the national level on that, you're actually almost sounds like better off going into the arts and going into a ballet or a or dan- Yeah, having a, a, dance, a, dance. Having a dancing background, yeah. yeah. Huh. In saying that, so I strange. do wonder, similar to ballet how long your body could sustain it. Well, that's this true. Is true too. Yeah. yeah. Again, what these kids go through oh is gosh. just crazy with busted ribs and bruised ribs and concussions mm. and rolled ankles. Uh, and it's just, there's just something so majestic about seeing these girls getting flung up into the air, spinning and landing yeah. on shoulders. It's a, such a beautiful sport. Yeah, yeah wow. It's, a, it's gorgeous. Okay. George W. Bush was a cheerleader, I believe. He was. Yeah. Yes, he was. Wow. And what was also interesting, and now when you watch the routines more closely, it makes sense, but there's always more men on the team than women, which, mm. is, which surprises me because yeah. we do always associate it with, you know, we think of the pom-poms and things. So it's always associated with females. Yeah. But uh, because they do these such elaborate stunts, you need a really strong base. Mm. So you have a lot of men on the base. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's such a great sport and incredibly inclusive as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Holy crap. That sounds like I need to check that out. Yeah. Like, I think, like yesterday. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah. You'd, I think you'd both enjoy it. It's such, such a great story. Yeah. Awesome. And, and the characters are so likable and relatable. Real kids. Very cool. Beautiful.